1: In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more, access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hey
0: there, and welcome to episode 25 of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. This week's episode, The Roadmap to Exceptional Leadership, Part 1. Common Leadership Attributes and Competencies. Once again, I've developed a two-part episode to deal with what I think is one of the larger topics in leadership. Shoehorning it into a couple of brief podcast episodes is going to be tricky, but I'm up for the challenge. This week, in part one, we'll start by looking at common leadership attributes and competencies, and next week in part two, I'll introduce you to my seven pillars model of leadership performance to get to the things that, in my experience, differentiate leaders from incompetent through mediocre, to great. By the end of next week's episode, I'll hope to have cut through the myths, the conventional wisdom and the leadership platitudes to pinpoint the things that really make a difference. These are the things that will help you to move forward, establish a strong personal brand and become the boss that everyone wants to work for. So let's get into it. The risk with any treatment of a topic like this is twofold. First, there's the potential to oversimplify quite complex concepts and subject areas. And second, we can potentially omit a critical factor that, arguably, in certain circumstances, is more important than the things we've chosen to focus on. So, whenever we open the door to a discussion like this, it's wise to think about it in the context of ceteris paribus. Now, ceteris paribus is a term widely used in economics. And whenever I talk about economics, I can't help but recall the quote from the famous economist J.K. Galbraith, who once said, The only function of economic forecasting is to make astrology look respectable. However, any of you who have studied economics will be familiar with the Latin term that means all other things being equal. When we talk about leadership attributes that separate great leaders, we assume that there is an equivalency with your peers in terms of intelligence, education, and and experience, that is, ceteris paribus. Our subject, in this case, the characteristics of great leaders, then becomes a point of differentiation, over and above the need to satisfy the core requirements and prerequisites of a leadership role. So, for example, you can't just turn up in a CEO role with a bunch of humility, which is a commonly held and discussed attribute of a great leader these days, without the intellect, experience and education to run a business. You will fail as surely as if you exhibited no humility. And this is pretty much the same for every discussion on leadership that has ever held. The underpinning capabilities are a prerequisite for success. Now, we touched on this concept indirectly in the episode a few weeks back on education versus experience. But let's move on and have a talk about leadership attributes. There are literally thousands of articles and posts written every week about the attributes of great leaders. Humility transparency, fallibility, and so forth. And although it's fun and interesting to muse on these attributes, they lack clarity. How would a leader embody these attributes and put them into practice? Working out what this means, and how you might possibly use it to improve your leadership performance, is about as easy as trying to nail jelly to a cloud. When we see discussions about the attributes of great leaders, the terms bandied around are awfully intangible. So let's rattle off a few. Humility transparency and openness, vision, courage, integrity, focus, cooperation, perseverance. And what do these even mean? Each of us forms a picture in our head of what cooperation is, for example. But my idea of this might be vastly different to yours. And let's face it, some are way more difficult to change than others. So, for example, in my view, courage is teachable and it's learnable. But integrity is much more difficult to attain. Your life experience grounds you in your personal attributes, values and qualities. And it's only with sustained, long-term and conscious effort, and effort, mind you, that very few people are willing to put in, that they can be changed. So as an example of the integrity attribute, when I was CEO at CS Energy, I have to say that of the four corporate values that I put in place, the one that lost a lot in translation was act with integrity. When we rolled the values out and communicated them across the organisation, we included in the communication some examples and explanation for what each value meant. So, for integrity, we had four key descriptors. Number one, we challenge each other constructively and respectfully. Number two, we do what we say we will do. Number three, we courageously confront issues and obstacles. And number four, and most importantly, We are honest and trustworthy and always act in the best interests of CS Energy. Now for me that had a high level of tangibility, but for a bunch of others in the company, eh, not so much. If you have leaders at lower levels of your organisation who succumb to the prevailing cultural norms, it can be extraordinarily difficult to get them to even understand what you're talking about. As the famous marathon runner Vladimir Kutz once said, Trying to explain what it's like to run a marathon to someone who has never run one is like trying to explain colour to a blind person. Always acting in the best interests of the company was a classic cultural deviation, as for many years cultural norms in some pockets of the CS Energy business had grown around satisfying self-interest, not around the greater good. So as I said, it's fun and interesting to debate the relative merits and importance of various leadership attributes and qualities, but I find it largely academic. So let's leave that and move on to talk about leadership competencies. Leadership competencies, in my opinion, get closer to the crux of the matter. What do leaders need to competently do to successfully deliver on their organisational and team goals? I'm in no way suggesting that the discussion on leadership attributes shouldn't be held or doesn't have merit, but I am saying that the competency discussion is a little more tangible. When I was at Harvard Business School in 2007, we were exposed to individual coaching that provided assessment against some of the core competencies for leadership. At that time, I found this to be a pretty useful exercise in self-evaluation and reflection. So I want to run through some of these that I think we should be thinking about developing. Now I whipped through these pretty quickly, but don't worry, I'll include the list in the free downloadable from this episode so that you can have a think about it a little more deeply if you choose to. So the first competence I want to pick up on is seasoned judgment. And this talks about the judgment that comes from experience in your industry or chosen field of endeavor. It's the accumulated knowledge and wisdom that comes from doing something really well for a long period of time. But just be aware of the fallacy of 20 years experience you'll see a lot of people claim to have 15 or 20 or 25 years of experience is it really 20 years of experience or is it one year's experience 20 times over because quality matters and you have to have that passionate continuous improvement philosophy built into everything you do the second competency I want to talk about is visionary thinking and this is all about understanding and simplifying complexity for your people but a lot of leaders don't have the ability to think contextually at the highest strategic level, and this is actually really hard to learn. The third competency is pretty straightforward, financial acumen. And it really doesn't matter what type of organisation you're in. Understanding the financial side of things is a prerequisite to being a good leader, because your business will not be sustainable unless it can be financially successful and it doesn't matter whether you're in a competitive business, a not-for-profit, doesn't matter. The fourth one I like is driving execution. This is sometimes seen as contrary to all the warm and fluffy leadership attributes that we spoke about earlier. To drive execution and deliver value is the object of the exercise. Without this, everything else is just conversation. A nice, heartwarming conversation, but a conversation nonetheless. The fifth competency I want to look at is attracting and developing talent. Now, in episode two of the No Bullshit Leadership podcast, I dedicated it to building a high performing team. Because unless you can do this, the higher up you go, the harder you'll find it to achieve anything resembling performance. Number six, empowering others. This is a critical element of delegation accountability and execution once again number seven influencing and negotiating and for mine influencing is one of the most critical skills for a leader because the higher up you go the less direct control you have over your people's work and the more you achieve outcomes through influencing others number eight is leadership versatility and this is really all about being resilient to change Because it's about dealing with changing circumstances and situations, adapting to different environments, economic conditions, teams, and customer preferences. Although just a word on customer preferences, Henry Ford was reputedly once asked why he didn't produce the Model T Ford in any colour other than black. His obstinacy led the interviewer to ask why he didn't pay more attention to the desires of his customers, and Ford replied simply, If I asked my customers what they wanted, they would have asked me to produce a faster horse. Number nine, organisational relationships. You can't get far in a modern organisation without a bunch of workable and productive relationships across the whole organisation. They are too complex in their structure. And I've seen many a promising executive be brought undone by a failure in this area. As I used to say to my team, if you can't earn the trust and respect of your peers, I can't help you with that. Competency number 10, inspiring trust. Now, this is dangerously close to an attribute But it's a core competency for leading people and establishing relationships with key stakeholders, be they your superiors, your customers, or the communities in which you operate. Number 11, fostering open dialogue. And this is a much underrated competency, but it's critical in harnessing the power of the great team you have built. Now, a quick shout out to the executive team at Mitchell Services that I had the pleasure of talking to a couple of weeks ago. This is a team that has clearly embraced and embodied the use of open dialogue To drive better outcomes for the business, and they're doing a great job with it. Competency number 12, mature confidence. Okay, now this is a cracker. The humility bandwagon that everyone is riding at the moment is dangerous in that one might be under the misapprehension that any sort of confidence is undesirable. But I really love the term mature confidence. The word mature indicates a few things. First of all, you don't believe your own bullshit. So, in other words, you've got a level of self-awareness. You have your confidence in check. You understand the role that luck and timing play, but you aren't a shrinking violet. You'll make decisions without fear or favour. Let's face it, you need confidence to enable you to face the adversity that builds your resilience. And more to the point, your people need to have confidence in you. And there's a certain amount of confidence and control that underpins a great leader's grace under pressure. The final competency I want to just have a quick chat about is cross-functional capability. The higher up you go, the more important it is that you develop a broad perspective on your industry and organisation. As a CEO, if any of you aspire to run a major organisation, one of the most important elements of your toolkit is going to be a strong understanding of all functional disciplines.
1: Hey guys, Em here. I just wanted to let you know that if you're considering doing our seven-week online leadership program, Leadership Beyond the Theory, we're closing the doors to this cohort in a week's time. The program is built upon Marty's seven pillars of leadership performance that he touches on briefly in this episode. It's delivered through a series of short, interactive, video-based lessons. Each week, a different module challenging your thinking and behaviours. The concepts themselves are deceptively simple, but incredibly powerful, driven from the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. The question I want you to ask yourself this week is, what would it mean for you as a leader if you had the capability, the will, and the confidence to deal with any challenge that comes your way? Head to courses.yourceomentor.com and become a leader who stands out from the pack. All right, back to the episode.
0: Okay, so let's just briefly touch on what we're going to cover next week, which is the concept of the seven pillars of leadership performance, and we'll concentrate part two of this episode exclusively on that. You can see that leadership competencies are a great way to understand what's needed to become competent in the leadership space. It's much more tangible than the vague discussion about so-called critical attributes that seem to dominate today's leadership psyche. But even when it comes to the discussion on competencies, I'd describe this as necessary, but not sufficient. Self-evidently, there are an incredible number of leaders who exhibit all the major competencies, but are still not great leaders. So what's my secret source? The seven pillars of leadership performance. These combine leadership imperatives, behaviours, competencies, and core principles into a simple but powerful framework that will help you to bring everything together. Now, obviously, as I believe that this is the crux of the matter in building better leaders, This is the focus and structure for our online education program, Leadership Beyond the Theory, which I'm sure you've heard us mention previously. But if this hits the spot for you, go and check it out on our website. So what are the seven pillars? Number one, deliver value. This is the object of the exercise, and where it all begins and ends with value creation. Number two, handle conflict. Because conflict aversion is one of the biggest career killers. And it'll basically dilute your effectiveness and pretty much everything you do as a leader. Add to that the fact that you really won't enjoy your leadership career if you are conflict averse. Number three, build resilience. And leaders who lack resilience can't earn the respect of their people, and they can therefore never execute to their potential. Number four, work at level. It is so common to see leaders through all levels of an organisation Working at the wrong level, sub optimizing their performance and effectively crippling their people. Number five is master ambiguity. One of the foremost jobs of a leader is to sit comfortably in ambiguity and translate that into certainty of direction and action for their people. Number six, drive accountability. If you want your people to execute well, nothing enables this more than clear, well defined single point accountabilities. And finally, pillar seven, make great decisions. Leaders get paid the dizzy dollars to make the hard calls. And being a leader who can make timely, well-informed decisions will put the team and organization in a winning position. Now, next week, we're going to go into those in some depth. All right, that brings us to the end of episode 25. To pick up the free download, the 13 sample leadership competencies, go to www.yourceomentor.com forward slash episode 25 thanks so much for joining us and remember at your ceo mentor our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally so if you like this episode please subscribe to the podcast through your favorite app give it a rating and write a quick review so that we can reach even more leaders i look forward to next week's episode where i finish off part two of the roadmap to exceptional leadership until then i know you'll take every opportunity you can to be a no-bullshit leader